Hello and welcome to Women on Top with Holly Madasser, where the conversations focus on women, wealth, and social change. Holly and her guests, who represent many different fields, engage in transparent conversations that reflect professional and personal struggles, as well as accomplishment. Some are making strides to address societal concerns. Others have chipped away at the proverbial glass ceiling. All are supporting the financial future and well-being of women. Through these conversations, we learn about embracing a purpose and lifting others up while ensuring our own future success. Today's guest is Jane Woman Rossoff, an accomplished journalist and host of the Think Advisor Luminaries podcast series. Now here's your host, Holly Madasser. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Women on Top. Today's guest is Jane Woolman Rusoff, contributing editor of thinkadvisor.com, the leading publication directed at financial advisors. Jane is also a freelance writer. She's won two journalism awards. She's interviewed thousands of celebrities and financial thought leaders during her career. Jane, welcome to the show. It's an honor. Hi, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I have to say, I was truly, truly amazed when I was researching you for this podcast to see that you had interviewed people like Angelina Jolie, Meryl Streep, Dolly Parton, Ringo Starr, Ray Charles. How on earth do you get access to these people? It's not exactly like journalism is an easy nut to crack. Well... Most of it is persistence and perseverance and keeping at it. Uh, some people, it, it's actually taken me years to uh, to interview them. Um, but I don't work on speculation. I work on assignment only, meaning the publication commissions me to do a profile or any article. So um, I don't interview the person first and then say, hmm, who can I sell this to? Well, still, you have, you have to get a publication that very first time to believe in you. To, I mean, you don't wait, just wake up one morning with no experience and say, I think I'm going to interview Meryl Streep and go to a magazine and they decide that they're going to let you do that. How, how did that come about? Well, I was a staff editor for for several years before I became a freelance writer uh, on a permanent full-time basis. So I had a lot of experience under my belt, and I I did those things as a staff editor, getting interviews with, with celebrities. It's something to do with qualifications and credentials and the way you uh, approach a celebrity, and it's usually through their publicist or agent to uh, gain their trust, which is very important. If they don't trust you, they're not going to sit down with you and invite you to their home, which uh, I've done many interviews in celebrities' homes. Well, and I imagine your personality has a lot to do with it. It's not just the perseverance, but being able to really connect with your audience and do good interviews, get people to open up to you. Is no, they, they they do open up. <laughs> I was reading over an interview I did with Richard Pryor recently, and he had MS at the time, and I interviewed him at home, and 
I had forgotten what he told me because it was a few years back. And uh, reading it, it was quite interesting, I must say, the things that he told me, very intimate things about his life. Well, let me ask you, is there a specially meaningful encounter that you had? I mean, are these celebrities, are are they just real people who happen to be in the public eye, or do they seem different to you? Tell tell us about that. No, they are real people. That That's what I seek to reveal, really, in celebrity profiles. Who are these people behind the characters that they play? And you know, audiences know them for the characters, but they don't necessarily know how they really are. So, um, you know, the, the Richard Pryor interview was quite moving, and he had MS. And another one uh, that that really uh, was touching was with Annette Funicello, who you remember was um, star of the Beach Party movies, Frankie Avalon, Frankie and Annette. I covered her daughter's wedding I had interviewed her a few times, but I covered her daughter's wedding for In Style magazine. And by that time, Annette had MS and was kind of using a scooter. And um, her husband at the reception, dancing after the wedding, her husband had to kind of hold her while she was dancing with him on the floor, you know, to celebrate her daughter's marriage. So this was a woman who was a dancer before. Yeah so ironic, the twist that life takes, I'm sure. Yes, you find that when you interview a lot of people. So I know you still continue to interview celebrities, but I believe you're also interviewing more normal people through your your company, which you founded, Family Star Productions. Tell us a little about what that is and what made you take that leap. This is... uh, a company that serves families in writing legacy profiles of a father, a grandfather, an aunt, anybody that they want to uh, learn more about. And the purpose is to have the person's story passed along through the generations within the family. It's not for public consumption as these celebrity profiles are. These are private stories. And it's more than just where they were born and where they grew up and what they did, but it's I try to determine what the person's values are and what they stand for because I think future generations are interested in knowing when they say something like, well, what was Aunt Polly like? You know, a lot of that means who who were they as people. Yeah, yeah. I imagine that that serves a real purpose as the family unit has become more geographically dispersed. You know, there there was a time when people lived with their grandparents, for example, and so you just naturally heard these stories and knew the people and knew what they stood for. But in today's environment, that's just, you know, kids grow up, they move away for their jobs, grandparents go to retirement facilities, and people just aren't together the same. So I can imagine that this really serves that purpose. Yes, it does. And also, so often, children don't ask about their parents' background or their grandparents' background. It doesn't occur to them that one day they might want to know. Right. 
you know, their ancestors. Yeah, they're too young yet to know the benefit of age and wisdom or hindsight, I think. Yeah. But it also makes the subject feel good, you know, if they're an older person and they're talking about their lives. They like to talk about their accomplishment in their lives, so it makes them good. That it makes them feel good that a profile is being written about them. Yeah, it's a way to honor those people in your life that are older that you care about. Um, so, are these interviews the same as the celebrity interviews? Are they are there things that are the same and things that are markedly different in your view? Well, it's more of uh, first of all the. Family star interviews, nobody's plugging anything. <laughs> you know, with the celebrities, very often they like to talk about their current projects, movies, books, TV shows, uh, and yeah. that can be prominent. But the family star profiles, although they may talk about their professions and their, their business, it's not, that's not uh, – salient thing. That, right. They're not promoting looks. themselves, in other words, for selling books or come see my new movie, in other words. That's right. That's yeah, right. That They're makes just, sense. In yeah. in some ways, then, these, these um, more intimate legacy portrayals are probably a little more authentic. Well, it depends <laughs> how you ask the question and how the questions are answered. Uh, hopefully, they're authentic. I don't think they want to uh, tell untruths about their background, you know, to their families. But in those profiles, I'm looking for anecdotes, whereas in the uh, celebrity profiles, it's nice to have little stories, you know, that happen to the people, but it's important in the legacy profiles because it illustrates uh, the person's character traits. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So, Jane, I know you've also, in the midst of doing thousands of interviews with people, have somehow found time to also write, I think, five books maybe. And I, yes. know, I, know, I know three of them you co-wrote with Steve Allen, who happened to create The Tonight Show. So tell us what those are about and how you, how you got involved with Steve Allen. I met Steve Allen on two assignments to write about a record, actually, that he made on how to use computers and about his, he had a vast home entertainment uh, system at home. And from there, so I wrote those two articles for two different magazines. And then I, you know, he's a comedian and it kind of rubs off <laughs> in your, when you were with him. So uh, I started writing articles about you know, how to ad-lib, and I interviewed him, and I interviewed some other good ad-libbers, uh, comedians. And then he asked me to write a book with him called How to Be Funny, and that was about how to be funny. And then he asked me to write, you know, it was instructional, but it was also funny. We gave little homework assignments at the end of each chapter. Um, and then he asked me to write two other books, which were about his career. You know, he had a, a long career in comedy, and he created The Tonight Show from a radio show that he had been doing, actually. He transferred it to television 
and it became a New York, a local New York nighttime TV show in, I believe, 1954. And then um, NBC decided to take it national and call it The Tonight Show. So the elements of the desk and so forth, interviewing the, the guests, came from his radio show. That's amazing. I didn't know that, that there was a radio show beforehand. So what, it must have been super fun and funny to work with Steve Allen. <laughs> it was. It was. And, you know, he was extremely bright and very efficient, and he had a whole staff of people who would do everything for him very quickly, you know, if I needed a certain thing from him, document or information, he would ask them and I would have it. Uh, we were on different coasts. He was in California, I was in New York, and uh, I was getting FedEx packages <laughs> from his office almost every day. So he was a great cooperative person to work with and funny and nice. And, and I, I, I would love to give that book as a gift to my sometimes not so funny acquaintances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you could do that. Yeah, you could do that. yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about, um, you've also written, I know, on electronics and on, on finance. I mean, your your background is just so diverse. Tell us, tell us how you decided to enter each of these different arenas, or were they just different stages of one career, or did you do them simultaneously? How did that work for you? Uh, it was kind of all of, all of the above. Uh, consumer electronics, an opportunity came to me to be consumer electronics editor. And fortunately, that area of the economy was just taking off. And I was in the right place at the right time, but I think I made a lot of it. Uh, and that's when I started to um, freelance on the side, writing about electronics. And my first story was for Ms. Magazine. So then when I went on my own, I was writing about electronics because I had expertise in it and a lot of editors didn't know anything about it. So I was able to bring to them a great deal of knowledge and insight and technical things about products that were coming on the market. Um, and I ended up writing two books uh, about electronics. One was about uh, computer ergonomics, and one was a book for children, teaching them how to program in a certain uh, language, programming language. Then, let me see. You were you were really ahead of your time with this um, computing thing. I mean, who would ever think today when you're a toddler you're learning how to work on your computer or your iPad or some such thing. Right, exactly. So when I was writing about that, that is, as I say, I uh, met Steve Allen, who had a record about how to use a computer. And it kind of, as I described before, segued into writing about comedy. At the same time, I was also writing about consumer electronics, but by now I was on my own as an independent writer. Hmm. So you kind of got to pursue whatever you wanted to pursue, I'm guessing. I, yes, within reason, yes, I, I did. If I saw that it was a good 
specialty to be in and there was demand for it, I did. And so then I, um, from the consumer electronics area, I was doing more and more comedians, writing about comedians, which was a very hot area at the time. And I moved to uh, California from New York, Los Angeles, to interview more comedians and more actors and actresses. And that's where I expanded into uh, interviewing actors, dramatic actors also, screenwriters, directors, musicians. And that was, uh, I felt, an accomplishment. But I kind of miss writing about business. You know, I like to delve into what makes people tick, and that was the celebrity end of things. But I also like what makes businesses tick. And um, I started writing about financial services and zeroing in on financial advisors and writing about what makes the stock market tick and the economy tick. So um, it, it's, you know, why did I switch to these fields? More or less, I didn't drop them cold. I kept them in parallel. But it's the, the commonality is that I write about what I'm interested in and I'm very curious, so I like to learn. Yeah, that's amazing. I know that you've interviewed some rock stars in the financial services field. Oh, Do, does anyone come to mind in particular who you really enjoyed interviewing in, um, in the financial services area? Yeah. There were a few Nobel Prize winners like Harry Markowitz. Wow. Uh, and then, yeah. And then there was Charles Schwab and Ray Dalio and wow. John Bogle, Jeffrey Gunlock, and Muriel Siebert, who was the first woman to own a stock, a, a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. Well, that segues right into our next question. One, I'm, I'm so honored to be speaking with a woman journalist, and you've done so many amazing things. I think your um, resume is probably unparalleled in some of the people that you've interviewed. How do you feel that things have come along for women during your career in the field of journalism? Do you feel that women have more access today than they did when you first started out? Well, in terms of print, you know, there have been – so many newspapers and magazines that have gone out of business, so there's a lack of opportunity there. Um, there are certainly opportunity online, but the past year and the recession uh, hasn't been very kind, and a lot of layoffs took place in journalism. Yeah, I think generally, though, magazine publications and uh, networks are more open to Hiring women journalists, you see them certainly on television. Women anchors, which you know that was a very big deal years ago. If a woman anchored a news show, and now it's it's very common. I don't think there is discrimination that way in in journalism when it comes to hiring women. The question is, are there jobs there yeah. for anyone, male or female? Yeah, that that's um it's it's great to hear you say that. I was a journalism major myself and 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 love to write. So I I'm I'm keen on seeing women advance in that field. 
You know, I've I've found that the younger generations of women are just waiting longer and longer to get married, you know, delaying marriage and and motherhood um in favor of of building their own careers. So I know that you married your husband after you already had a, a professional profile, a significant professional profile. Do you think that that made a difference for you, waiting, or do you think that it would have, you would have done the same thing regardless? Well, I think it did make a difference because I, I had a freedom as a single person to pursue what I wanted to pursue and make changes and, uh, you know, it was a unilateral decision each time. So, um, yeah, you're kind of singularly focused on your own but, success, right? Yeah, but also after I got married, I was still pursuing what I wanted to pursue. Yeah. It, 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 the fact that I was married didn't uh, hamper my ability to, to make choices for myself in my career. Yeah. To, you know. Although you maybe had more confidence to do that because you had you already were successful in your career. Well, I don't think the confidence came that late. I think the confidence <laughs> came before. Yeah. You know, otherwise I couldn't have accomplished what I did accomplish. I think you have to have confidence to achieve. Yeah, I agree with you. So much of it is just like you said, perseverance and just putting one foot in front of the other and believing that you can do it no matter how hard it is or how long it takes. Yes. Tell me um, if you can leave our audience today with one bit of advice um, for for women out there. What what would that be? Well, if you're seeking empowerment, I would advise to look within yourself and not to the outside because you need uh, to have a sense of self-worth before you can feel empowered. And even if there are detractors, you need to have faith in yourself. I could not agree with you more, Jane. That's like the number one thing is just having confidence in yourself to just plow ahead and, and believe you're in yourself because it's hard enough out there. You know, other people may necess might not necessarily believe in you, so someone has to, right? It has to be you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Jane, so much for, for joining us today. You're a fascinating person, and what you've accomplished is, is truly remarkable. We're honored to have had you today. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me on. Holly Madasser, CPA, is a partner and senior wealth management advisor at Stearns Financial Group, an investment management firm with offices in Chapel Hill in Greensboro, North Carolina. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Hightower Advisors, LLC is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Refer to brokercheck.finra.org for more information. This podcast is copyrighted and all rights are reserved. The content of this podcast is for information only and not intended to serve as financial, legal, medical, or any other form of professional advice.